Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to Match Day 26 on the EPL Insights Podcast, provided by Pinnacle, with data provided by InfoGoal. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you for another week as we dissect the games and the lines when it comes to the Premier League slate. Match Week 26, we're finally at a point where the two top teams at the table have played the exact same number of games, so we have a clear picture of that. We're getting a more clear picture of true candidates in the top four race and at the bottom of the table, your guess is as good as mine. I just want to give a shout out to those who are watching on YouTube or watching our clips. What do you call this, Jake? I, I think here in, in Canada, we call it the turtleneck sweater and I'm wearing it in honor of the great Eric Ten Hag. He's sporting it well. <laughs> He's managing better. So good on King Eric and wearing the turtleneck sweater in his honor today. Yeah, I had to do a double take there. I thought I was on a call with Eric himself. So, uh, <laughs> I got yeah. a little bit more hair. Just a little bit yeah. more on top. Yeah, looking smart for a, an early morning record on your in your time. So, yeah, ready for the big game, it looks like. Do you call it a turtleneck sweater? What do you call this? Yeah, we call it a turtleneck, yeah. Okay. I, I've heard yeah. it referred to as other things. So, mostly lame, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> the boy bands of the 90s, they couldn't be wrong about everything, could they? Uh, look, we're, we're coming off a little bit of a mixed bag last week. I ended up making a profit, especially through making a plus number bet on West Ham win to nil. Go on West Ham against Nottingham Forest. Uh, and I, I did a little bit of a double when it came to the Carabao Cup final. United on the handicap, the under, as we recommended on this podcast as well. That played as well. Uh, how did the week go for you in match week 25? Or 24, yeah. I should say. 25, uh, 25. 20, 25, yeah. Uh, yeah, profitable. Um, taking on goals in pretty much every match was <laughs> quite a, a good thing to do. Uh, Sunday was nice. Had the under two and a half double on the Spurs game and the United game. Um, obviously, off to a nice start with Fulham on a Friday as well. Um, yeah, which kind of, I think the best bet was in the Spurs game, which obviously we go double stake on that, which just dragged me above the profit line. Um, so, I think it was about 0.4 points in profit over the week if you go to a point level stake. So, yeah, profitable nonetheless, but not quite as explosive as it could have been. Right, right. That it started off with the Fulham game. I did my spite bet, the over bet, and it just, oh, it was a tough slog. Anytime you're hoping for a Wolves over and Fulham. Now, I've gone under the total of two and a half and eight of nine. Uh, we'll get to a potential full and play later on this podcast. Most notably last week, it wasn't the Arsenal, um, you know, the, the, the Arsenal moving five points clear or City beating Bournemouth 4-1. And as it wasn't any of that, it's Chelsea. And just again, losing. Um, and not only that, failing to score yet again. And the odds have shifted. Uh, because it's not even perception, it's reality uh, of just how this team from an attacking perspective just is an absolute nightmare right now. They've shifted out on Pinnacle to plus 5,000 to qualify for a Champions League place. Um, is that just about right right now, Jake, considering where they stand in the table? And more importantly, the way things have gone for them over the last few months. Uh, yeah, it probably should be a little bit bigger, really, when you think about it. 
Um, 14 points off Spurs. You know, if Newcastle win their games in hand, would take them up to 47. That would be a 16-point gap to top four. That's a lot to overcome, especially when you've only got 14 games left. You're, you're relying on, you know, there's, there's six teams above them as well that would need to drop points. So there's a lot that has to go their way to, to make the top four. I kind of, I, you know, I, I had it written off a while ago, pre-break. I didn't think they got any chance. Um, even more so after they spent all the cash. I think they've, the money they've spent is, you know, it's the good investments, but it's like what we saw with Nottingham Forest at the start of the season, like the number of players that you bring in. Like it is a hindrance because you have to get them all used to being in a different country. Some of them might not speak the language and they've got to get to grips with a new system, new teammates, and that takes time. Um, and, and that ultimately is why usually the smart clubs don't do a lot of business in January because it doesn't give the players time or the manager time to get the best out of them before the end of the season. So, um, yeah, the key really now is do they stick or twist with Potter? Do they, you know, keep him in charge, give him a full summer to get used to playing with uh, with these players, get them up to speed with what he wants to do? Or do they pull the trigger? Because ultimately it's going to be a massive failing season, a campaign in which they've spent 600 million quid and they're going to have nothing for it. No cups, you know, uh, they are still in the Champions League, but they are behind against Dortmund and Dortmund are flying at the moment in the Bundesliga as well. So that's no gimme. They're not going to walk through that. And yeah, I mean, you look at the table, it's it's not unrealistic to finish in the bottom half. No. When you say nothing, uh, you mean no goals as well. Most yeah, no goals. No yeah. goals. Sure. And I like, so, I like the January window, doing business to fill gaps or fill holes, like bring on what's required, not just throw a bunch of cash at whatever you need or require uh, for potential future services. It just didn't really make any sense. So um, Arsenal and City have played 25 games. Manchester United have played 24. There's a five-point gap between Arsenal and City, 11 points between Arsenal and United. Uh, looking at um, the futures market on Pinnacle, City last week were minus 110. Two weeks ago were minus 175. Now we're plus 110. Arsenal went from plus 110. Two weeks ago, plus 175. Now we're minus 110. And I'm still floating Manchester United in that title race, just barely. I'm, I, I know you might be rolling your eyes. They went from plus 1,200 down to plus 1,800 and now settling in at a nice plus 1,399. Do you reckon it's a three-horse race still with one horse lagging a little bit behind the other two? <laughs> and, and, what, and what do you make of the numbers presented? Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a three-horse race. I've, I think I've been saying this for quite a while. A few factors really as to why I'm not really including United. Obviously, 11 points is a lot to make up. Um, they would probably have to win out if that, and you know, because I, I just can't see Arsenal dropping enough points for United to close that gap. Um, I think I've spoken before about my issues with United traveling. I'm sure we'll get onto that ahead of this weekend's game as well. They haven't looked very smart away from home, even recently when results have been okay. And they've got some really tough away matches coming up. So that, that ultimately will define their kind of you know status is a top four team. They might even get dragged back in because the other factor is the fixture schedule, which is just crammed to the brim. You know, if they got to the final of every single competition, they would actually play more matches than any season in Manchester United's history, which would be simply ridiculous. Similar kind of what Liverpool did last year. Liverpool, season. To, yeah. Yeah, was it 64 games in the end? Um, 
And yeah, you're playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, and and ultimately that is going to catch up with you because you are going to pick up a few niggly injuries. You are going to have players that do need to be rotating. And, and you know, I think we'll both we'd both agree that the squad is getting there, but there's still quite a big drop off in certain places from a quality perspective if you are leaving out key players. Yet the magic of the turtleneck. Do not uh, <laughs> underestimate it. Uh, in terms of the top four, four race, looky, looky, Liverpool right back in the mix. They're up to sixth place now, um, You know, six points behind fourth place Spurs. So what do you make of that market? Um, United look absolutely locked into a top four spot. I mean, it would be an absolute shock. They're, they're, they're listed at minus 850 on Pinnacle. Spurs come in at plus 120. Newcastle are sinking well they're at least in stall mode they simply aren't taking steps forward are plus 175 liverpool plus 180 and then brighton uh, checks in at plus 1000 what do you make of that market yeah liverpool looking a bit menacing aren't they right now um menacing wow yeah uh like just just in the fact that they are just hovering um everyone kind of r- written them off a while ago and they're now back up to six they i certainly did hand. i did jake i am one of those i fully yeah. admit it yeah uh, you know one of the kind of conversations we've constantly had throughout this season is that if liverpool got healthy they would be interesting um and we're starting to see them slowly get back to that full health throughout the team you see fabinho starting to get a little bit better for game time, you've seen Diogo Jota come back in. I think he's a big player um, for them. You've still got Luis Diaz who's, who's um, to come in. I know Thiago's been struggling with a knock. Um, Van Dijk back in as well. Canate. So we are starting to see that Liverpool team t- take shape in terms of personnel from what we saw in previous seasons. Um, it's a small sample, but the defensive numbers are improving. And again, you mentioned, I think, at the top of the show, They've played next to nobody over that period of time. Wolves, Palace, Everton, uh, <laughs> and there's one more, Newcastle. So, yeah, they've not really been Ten tested. men, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. ten men. Um, but, yeah, they, they, you know, they, they're a little bit of a... I mean, you can't even call them a dark horse, can you, Liverpool? But they've kind of snuck back into it. Um, I, I still think the price is a little bit too short, though, uh, because I think for as bad as Spurs have been, you know, this Liverpool team are very unreliable and they have the capabilities to go anywhere on any given day and concede a bucket load of chances, which we've seen throughout the season. Um, Newcastle is still the one for me that I'd be looking at. Um, has been a bit of a plus 175. For, first time in a while, they've shown a plus number as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, I, I think, well, they're four points behind Spurs with two games in hand. They've only lost twice all season, which is the fewest defeats in the league. So they don't lose matches. It's just about turning some draws into wins. Uh, and I think at some point, and we'll get onto the Newcastle game this weekend, but at some point, Eddie Howe's going to have to almost take the handbrake off a little bit and really get them trying to, you know, they, they play a kind of a defence-first, controlled style of football. He really needs to get them playing front foot. And, you know, the, 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 the areas they've struggled is actually beating the lesser teams. Um, beating teams mid-table. They're, they're the kind of games that you have to win if you want to get in the top four. So, yeah, I, I think at the prices, there would still be my pick. Uh, let's touch on the regular uh, relegation battle very quickly. I mean, it is a mess down at the bottom of the table. Uh, the, the table, or the, the odds provided on Pinnacle kind of reflect that. Southampton odds on minus 290, Bournemouth minus 275, Everton plus 100 forest at plus 200 leads at plus 200 wolves at plus 325 west ham at 
plus 650. You could probably throw Leicester City in the equation. Like, where would you stop? Like, that's the question in terms of who can go down. But in terms of those numbers, is there a number that stands out to you? Um, Yeah, it's probably a couple of numbers. Um, I would personally stop at Crystal Palace. I think they're included. Um, I've been saying for a while that they've been performing like a, a relegation candidate on the underlying numbers, especially since the restart. They're only six points above the drop zone, um, you know, which is it's a decent gap. But, you know, Everton have the capabilities, I think, to to win a couple of matches, which will make it interesting. The same with Bournemouth, which they've shown in recent weeks, just how much more competitive they are um, with the signings that they've made. So, yeah, I could see Palace being dragged into it and maybe making it almost a, what would that be, eight, nine teams. Um, obviously, it'll, it'll gradually thins out as we go all into the season. As a number, um, yeah, I've got to say, you could make a really strong case for all of them um, because Wolves, <laughs> Wolves' results have been okay under Lopetegui. The process hasn't. The process has really not, not been as good as what I expected it to be. I do think they'll have enough quality to pull through. Leeds are interesting. Um, their process was steady under Marsh and Grassi has come in and, and seems to have kind of, you know, it's one game, we've got a small sample size, but they look to be in a position where they could get themselves out. I wouldn't be surprised if the bottom three seasons it is, to be honest. Um, I think was it the during the World Cup break, I did a, a restart piece for Sporting Life. And I, I did have Everton, Bournemouth and Southampton as the bottom three at that time. Well, look um, at you. Yeah, well, we, we've got... The Wizard of Oz, left? well done. <laughs> Fourteen games left, so let's not get let's not get crazy yet. Um, but yeah, I think the tri- I think the triple the treble was a uh, about plus two two thousand at that point um, for all three. It'll be much shorter now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I it really is. Um, it, it's much, in my opinion, it's much harder to kind of assess the relegation picture than it is the top four, um, just purely because there's so many teams that you can make a really negative case for. I think the only team who will be safe is West Ham. I think West Ham will get well clear. But the rest of them, you know, maybe Leicester probably have a little bit too much firepower, but the rest of them you could make a really strong case for. I know you're probably on Forest at the number. Forest down, yeah, I I am. But because I I just think you can make the case that the three teams that are in, in the bottom three right now could get out and there could be three different teams that end up there. It's unlikely, especially the way that Southampton are playing, but this weekend is going to be critical. There's a bunch of matches at the bottom of the table, which depending on who you like might affect the way that you look at that futures market as well. So make sure you consider all things before making your plays. Uh, Let's get into our feature five, then go rapid fire with a full slate of games um, back on hand here in match week 25. Also coming off of some midweek fixtures in both the FA Cup and the Premier League. And we'll start off with the early game on Saturday. Why not get a big one right out of the gate on Saturday? It's Manchester City and Newcastle United. City coming off a 4-1 victory over Bournemouth last weekend. 3-0 win over Bristol City Tuesday at the FA Cup. And guess what? Phil Foden's back. You kind of just forgot about him over the past little bit. He scored three goals in those last two games. Uh, five straight games played away from home for Manchester City in all co- in all competitions. And three straight Premier League wins for City 
Cincinnati as well. Uh, they haven't lost in six. Both teams have scored in all competitions in five of six. They've been the first to score in their last six and been the first half winner in five of six as well. They have a 32.1 X expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal. That's almost eight goals better than anyone else. That's how good they've been on the balance of the season. Newcastle are four points back now with Spurs in fifth place with two games to hand. Two games in hand. Uh, one of those games in hand came because they didn't play last weekend. They played in the Carabao Cup final and lost 2-0 uh, to Manchester United. They lost 2-0 before that to Liverpool as well, uh, before having back-to-back draws in the games before that. Three straight draws away for Drawcastle, 4-6-1 away <laughs> from home. Uh, only conceding seven goals on the season, which is second best in terms of expected goals against, according to InfoGoal, away from home. They haven't won in four overall, no clean sheet in five. They played to the under two and a half in eight of nine. No Nick Pope, he's still suspended, but Dubravka can come back in if he's preferred to carry us for this weekend's big game against Manchester City. Uh, earlier this season, they played to a thrilling 3-3 draw at St. James's Park. Newcastle were up 3-1 in that game through an hour of it, and the XG in that game was huge, 2.3 to 3.77 in that game. City in this rivalry, no losses in eight. Newcastle, no clean sheets in 15. We'll start off. Would that be a key stat that you're going to see that theme with teams not picking up a clean sheet against one another this week against their opponent across the board? And um, they've gone over the total of these matches of two and a half in five of six. And City has been first to score, continuing that theme in nine of ten and the first half winner in five of seven. Uh, Is there a number that you're looking at in this game or a play that you're recommending, Jake? Yeah, I'm, I, I like the um, the price and offer for both teams to score. I think it's at minus 111 right now. Um, you mentioned it there. Both teams to score has been, you know, it's, the, City have kind of been the kings of that recently. They've conceded in so many matches, nine of 11 since the restart, um, three of four at the Etihad. Both teams to score has actually landed in 64% of City home matches this season. So they are far from solid at the back, which we kind of already know. But going forward, they've been pretty electric since the World Cup. 2.6 expected goals for per game is what they've averaged, which is league-leading, unsurprisingly. Um, and it just shows that they are still creating chances at a monstrous rate. And you know, we know Newcastle are a very stubborn defensive side. They've shown that um, over the course of the season. But the way in which City are creating, you just can't see them holding or limiting them and, and keeping a clean sheet. So I like the chance of City scoring. As I mentioned, I think if Newcastle are to get into the top four, they do need a slight change in tactic. They're going to need to play more on the front foot. They're going to need to take the games to teams and play with a bit more attacking impetus. Um, Six goals in eight league games since the restart. But interestingly, they've been creating chances. Those six goals have come from um, opportunities equating to 15.1 expected goals. So they've underscored by around nine. Um, And just for, you know, math nerds out there, um, there's just a 0.7% chance that they would have scored six from those chances. Um, and in comparison, they would have had a 1.2% chance, so nearly twice as likely um, that they'd score 25 from those chances um, than it would be to score six. So goals will come because they are creating the chances and that's kind of what happens. Regression will take place, um, but they do need to play more on the front foot, in my opinion, to try and get themselves in front more often and, and really kill teams because 
it's been you know it's been hurting them the fact that they've been in so many low, low scoring games and they haven't been able to kill the game. So I think they'll have more than enough opportunities to score against City. I do like the look of BTTS. I, that's exactly my play. Both teams to score at minus 107. Again, the way that they played last time at St. James's Park, a place where they typically played KG, there was all kind of chances. Uh, Newcastle can't keep a clean sheet against Man City. I'm confident that they'll be able to score against the backup goalkeeper for Newcastle. And, and and for Newcastle, like City still do concede goals. They gave a, a cheap one late against Bournemouth last time out. They have some big games upcoming, including the, the Champions League. I think it's a good context. And the best number on the board is both teams to score at minus 107 for me. Um, in, in a game, I'm not quite sure what the total, where that will end up. But that that's my most confident play in this game. And I have no problem taking that number at minus 107 as well. So consensus out of the gate. In the city Newcastle game, good start to this week's it's podcast. Good start, yeah. uh, let's switch over to Arsenal, top of the table, taking on Bournemouth. Uh, Arsenal coming off a four nil victory over Everton midweek. Uh, one of those weekends where they're making up some of the one of those weeks where they're making up some of those games in hand. Uh, Martinelli had a brace in that game. Three straight wins for Arsenal now after that mini slide, that mini stumble that they went through. They've scored four goals in two of those games, uh, two of those wins as well. Uh, although the the one nil over Leicester City on the weekend uh, had just an xG in that game of point zero two to point six four. Um, but that, in terms of the way that Arsenal's played, is the exception and not typically the rule. Although they do have the lowest expected goals against in the Premier League at 23.8 in 25 games. Bournemouth are coming off a 4-1 loss to City. They've gone under the goal total, however, in their five games straight before that. They haven't scored more than a goal in a game since all the way back on November 5th. And that's a span of 10 Premier League games. They have the lowest XG of 23.4 in 25 games and the worst expected goal differential. And that carries over to their away form as well, uh, that they have the lowest XG and the worst expected goal differential. 10 goals scored and 32 goals against in their travels. Uh, In terms of head-to-head, the game they played earlier this season, Arsenal came out on top 3-0. Odegaard had a brace in that game. Arsenal haven't lost to to Bournemouth in sixth. Uh, No Bournemouth clean sheet in twelve. That trend, what look out for it. They've gone over the total of two and a half and eight of ten. Both teams to score in five of seven. Arsenal to score uh to score first in seven of eight, and Arsenal a first half winner in four of five. Arsenal at home, a significant favor favorite here. I don't have a play in this game, but I'm curious if you do. Yeah, I thought the um the price of Arsenal to win to nil was appealing at minus one eleven. Now, you, initially, you'll look at the stats and you'll you'll see that they've actually only kept a clean sheet in 25% of home matches this season. Um, but if we just look at the fixtures, they've actually had pretty tough um, home fixtures. Uh, they've, they've only played two of the, you know, I guess you could call them relegation candidates at the Emirates. Um, those being Everton the other night and Nottingham Forest. And in both of those matches, they won very convincingly and they kept a clean sheet. So they're the only two relegation candidates they've played at home. They've kept clean sheets in both. Uh, you look at their underlying process at home, averaging uh, well over 2.3 expected goals for per game, allowing just 1.1 expected goals against per game, which is a really solid process. And then you look at the other side and you've got a Bournemouth team who have 
you know, failed to score in 58% of their away matches, which is not a surprise given that they've averaged 0.85 expected goals for per game. So a really poor travelling attacking team um, against a strong home team. I think it'll be a very convincing victory. I know Bournemouth have shown a little bit of late in terms of what they're capable of. The fixture list hasn't been kind to them. You know, they got that, that first win in a long while against Wolves and then, oh, here you go, play Man City and Arsenal back to back. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Arsenal will be able to deal with Bournemouth in the same kind of manner as City did um, and, you know, rack up a score. But more importantly, keep a clean cheek. I think that's where the value is in this one. What's the number uh, for uh, Arsenal to win to nil? Uh, it's at minus 111 at the moment. Okay. Okay, my, minus 111. Yeah, just I, I look for Arsenal in the handicap. It's at 1.75. Um, they're more than capable of doing it. There's just not a number that I love in terms of this. Um, also, just a quick mention, Arsenal travel in the Europa League uh, midweek Thursday uh, as they play Sporting of Portugal. Uh, let's move on. Brighton and West Ham is our next feature game. All these games, by the way, so far being played on Saturday. Brighton coming off a 1-0 loss to Fulham two weeks ago and had a 1-0 victory on Tuesday in the FA Cup over Stoke City. Their goal, the game was postponed last weekend, so it's been a while since they played in the Premier League, and perhaps Deserby gives us some time to get this team from an attacking perspective back on track because they've scored just three goals over their last four games and have actually played to the under two and a half in four of five, but they've gone over in terms of their own XG, uh, gone over the total of two XG, in each and every one of their last three Premier League games. So they're just not putting the ball in the back of the net. They've been also the first to score in seven of nine. They have the fifth best XG overall in the Premier League and the fourth best expected goals against and expected goal differential. For West Ham, coming off a 3-1 loss midweek in the FA Cup at Manchester United. Uh, the three goals that were given up all came in the final 15 minutes of that game. Th- that game followed what was a breakout goal-scoring victory for West Ham on the weekend, 4-0 over Nottingham Forest, which made my betting account very happy. Danny Ng scored a brace in that game, uh, and they did an XG of 2.59 in that game, their biggest XG in quite some time. Uh, no wins away for West Ham in 10 the last lasted only away victory on this Premier League season came at Aston Villa back in August. They scored more than a goal, one goal just once over that span. Really the reason why they're not winning games. Um, they only have seven goals scored away from home on an XG of 16.3, so simply not taking their chances. They played to under the two and a half total. Uh, in seven of their last nine games. They have Conference League games upcoming this week. Just a note, Fabianski is out with a fractured cheekbone. Head-to-head, Brighton won this game, this matchup 2-0 earlier this season, and they haven't lost in their last 11 to West Ham. No clean sheet for West Ham in their last nine games against Brighton, and both teams to score is played in seven of nine. Hence why I like both teams to score in this game at minus 112. Do you want to follow suit with that play? Um, no, I've actually got no bet on this one. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I think there could be goals, but you can also see the argument against goals given how controlled Brighton can play and they have been playing recently. More at the back because you're right, they've been creating loads of chances, but defensively they've looked really solid. You know, the XG expected goals against totals of the last three matches have been 0.29, 0.8 and 0.93. So they're not conceding chances. 
Um, and I think West Ham are a much better defensive side than the three teams that they've played. So I, I don't expect Brighton to create as many good chances. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of had enough warning signs for me to keep to sort of steer clear. If I was to have a play, the price on Brighton to win at minus one twenty five did appeal um, as a potential because the the process at home is it's up there with the best in the league, averaging nearly two expected goals four per game and allowing just one expected goal against per game. And then you've got West Ham, who, as you said, have got a Europa Conference League game coming up. I think that's a competition they will be trying to win. They've obviously just come off the back of a draining FA Cup game at Old Trafford uh, on Wednesday, in which they were, you know, they, they looked pretty decent for an hour, and then the last half an hour they got run ragged, and you could see there was some tired bodies on that on that pitch at the end. Um, so that that would have me leaning towards Brighton. Um, I just, it's just you know, gets to the point where you have to look, step back and go. Brighton are you know they're, they're a top eight team. West Ham, in my opinion, are probably a top 12 team. Should Brighton be minus 125? I think that number's a little bit too short. So I'm happy to just leave it for now. Uh, and if that number drifts to maybe minus 115, then I'd definitely be pulling the trigger on Brighton win. Yeah, I I can see that. I looked at that number. Um, the one thing I actually do like from David Moyes is he's playing attacking players again. And whether his hand is being forced because of some selection issues, but like players like Ben Rama and Fornells and Paqueta and Antonio and Bowen, like these players are being played together at times, like more than two of them, which for me is progress when it comes to West Ham. There has to be a widespread acknowledgement that they need to score goals. Both are good from an XG perspective and I'm expecting this game to, to perhaps open up a little bit more than typically what we've seen from West Ham. That's my hope. It comes with risk. Moyes can pull the emergency break and reel it all back in and play a very defensive side at Brighton, which I think would actually be a mistake. I know he has his backup goalkeeper. Uh, both teams to score at minus 112 is a number I can get behind, though, and I will get behind it this weekend and hope that they can find a way to find the back of the net. Uh, let's shift to the games on Sunday. Nottingham Forest and Everton. Forest are 13th place in the table, but just four points above the drop at that position. And that means they're four points better than their opponent this weekend in Everton. They lost 4-0 away from home to West Ham last weekend. But this is the thing. Playing at home is a different story for Nottingham Forest altogether. A place where they're undefeated in eight, including a win over Liverpool over that span and draws against Manchester City and Chelsea. They're 5-4-3 and three at home overall with 15 goals scored and 13 against. Overall, they haven't won a game in their last three. No clean sheet in three. They've gone under the two and a half total in four or five. First to concede in six of seven. Bully McKenna, Aurorier, all across the back line are still out. But this team has a small army of of number of options <laughs> to use based upon them delving in the transfer window, dipping their foot right in. Everton were smashed by Arsenal 4-0 midweek. Uh, they lost 2-0. Uh, at home to Aston Villa before that, and still no Calvert-Lewin in the team, which remains a big loss. We'll see if he can make his way and be available to play this weekend, which would substantially improve their chances. They've gone under the two and a half total, largely because of that, in five of their last six. One, four, and seven away from home, just six goals scored, 20 against. The only team with fewer away goal score is their opponent this weekend in Nottingham Forest. They have a tough stretch of games after this one. Brentford, Chelsea away, 
Spurs, United away, and then Fulham ahead. Yikes. Which puts more priority on coming away with something in a game like this. They played to a 1-1 draw earlier this season. Both goals in that game were scored in the last 10 minutes. And in this head-to-head, um, they've gone under the 2.5 total in their last five games. Um, what do you make of this? It's really a critical game for both sides. Nottingham Forest to get some breathing room and Everton to draw more teams back into the relegation mix. Yeah, I think it says it all that the goal line on Pinnacles set at two. And then really not expecting eyes. That was the first thing I looked at something looked at it. I was like, yikes. Yeah. Um that that's straight away is a bit off putting for me to um to get involved in the goal line. I think it's gonna be low scoring, but you know, if one of these teams does score, then the other the impetus they have to try and get a result. You know, it's kind of a um yeah, it's a it's a pretty big game. It's a big old cliched six pointer at the bottom. Um, so yeah, I could see that 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 under's potentially being breached if there's an early goal. I, I went back and forth with a play on this one. Um, I think what what has kind of just clinched it is I was just looking at set piece data because I, I was of the opinion that um, Nottingham Forest were actually pretty poor at defending set pieces, but that's not the case, or it hasn't been the case of late anyway. Um, and obviously I, I spoke last week about how strong Everton are from set pieces and they did create a few good chances from set pieces again. So I just wanted to be sure that that Forest aren't one of the worst in the league when it comes to defending set pieces and they're not. So I'm more than happy to take Forest on the handicap. I think that's, um, you know, was it a plus naught? So drawn a bet pretty much minus 109. That just looks spot on to me. Uh, it looks like a really sensible bet. You mentioned they're unbeaten in eight home uh, home matches in the league. They've played Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City in that time. You look at the games they've played against teams, you know, bottom half, they've, they've avoided defeat, obviously, um, against Villa. Uh, beat Crystal Palace, who, as I said, probably do just slip into that, um, that mix. They beat Leicester and they've beaten Leeds. So when it comes to playing against teams in and around them in the league, they have fared very well recently. And, and the XG numbers have been pretty good as well in terms of creating chances in those matches and, and limiting their opponents. So, yeah, um, I, I think Forest are definitely a team that we should be getting on side when they're at home and uh, particularly with a, a draw no better kind of zero handicap start. Um, and obviously Everton, they've got a short week. They played on Wednesday. They got the run around at Arsenal. Um, away from home under Dyche, they've been really poor. I know they've had two tough fixtures. They play Liverpool and Arsenal, so two of the tougher away games. But, They've conceded a lot of good chances. Um, and more alarmingly for me, as someone who thought they'd get a decent or a positive result against Aston Villa last week, was the way in which Aston Villa kind of carved them open. So, um, yeah, I, I think that this is a tricky game for Everton. Uh, and the, for me, the value lies with uh, taking Forrest on the handicap. Yeah. Uh, look, Everton's had a, a difficult stretch. That Villa team going into Goodison Park was due for a better performance. They had been... Uh, playing really poorly. So I think they've be, kind of been dealt a, Everton have been dealt a bad hand. I, I, the first number I looked at too was the total. When it's at two, uh, uh, rather than making that play, I look at where might be a preferable play. And I always go to the handicap next when it's a low scoring game because there's not going to be much between the two sides. So I kind of weighed it too. Nottingham Forest, you know, a, a draw no bet at minus 109. And Everton, that, this line continues to shift and provide a little bit more juice in Everton's favor. It's now at minus 101, the draw no bet. And that's where I've ended up. 
Everton with the handicap at minus 101 because I'm getting a little bit more juice than siding with Nottingham Forest in this game. It could be a 1-0 either way. It's not just my Nottingham Forest fade because I don't believe in this team. But still, I think like I think that Everton are going to be very difficult to beat. Um, And even though they're going to a difficult place, um, look, Forest has ridden their luck in some of those games at home. Let's be honest as well, Um, just in terms of the pressure that mounts on them and how disorganized they are at times. I don't think that that's what you're going to see with Everton. I think they're going to be robust, difficult to break down in this game. Um, and in, in, in that decision on who to back with the draw, no bet, I'm going to go with Everton here um, at minus 101. Give me a little bit more, and hopefully they give me a little bit more this weekend. So, Well, I, you know, it's kind of a mini head-to-head that we've got going on there. Um, yeah, I, it, it is a tough one. I think the, the only other kind of avenue I looked at was potentially signing with cards. Um going down the booking avenue because these are two teams that are good for cards in terms of they collect a lot and they receive a lot um, and they, their opponents receive quite a lot as well. Um, I think the line's currently set at four, uh, at minus 128, so an over four. And we've got a decent appointment as well. We've got um, John Brooks in charge, who's averaged 3.7 cards per game this season. Um, he's refereed Everton recently as well a few times and flashed the cards. So, that might be an avenue to go down, given the, the magnitude of the game. Um, if there's nothing that really takes your fancy from a, you know, an, a kind of a traditional market perspective, the handicaps, the goal lines, then look at the cards, the uh, over four bookings. So money back if there's exactly four. And obviously, if there's any more, you get a winner. Just really quickly on Everton's away form, four of their last five away games in all competitions, um, which they haven't fared well. At Arsenal, at Liverpool, at City, at United. I mean, that's, you know, Forest, although the numbers look good and they played really well at home and give them full credit for it, um, they're not those teams. So we'll see if that plays into their advantage. It's going to be a scrappy one and a big one uh, for both sides this weekend. So a little bit opposite plays. It's not a true head-to-head. It's kind of like a half head-to-head. So we won't (laughs) count that in terms of our overall tally but something to monitor this weekend because potentially we just come away with nothing if it ends up in the always predictable goalless draw, which could play this weekend as well. Uh, Let's move on to the second feature, real feature game of the weekend Uh, from Anfield. It's Liverpool, it's United, and I can't wait for it on Sunday. Uh, Liverpool coming off back-to-back clean sheets for Liverpool. Look at that defensive process. Or is it rather the teams they played against? A 2-0 win over Wolves midweek after a goalless draw at home against Crystal Palace on the weekend. They've actually kept a clean sheet in four of five overall. The one exception was the 5-0 thrashing at the hands of Real Madrid. They've played to the under two and a half in four of five, and they've been the first to score in four of five as well. They're up to sixth place in the table just six points behind Spurs with the game at hand. They're 8-3-1 on the season at home, 27 goals for and nine against, and haven't given up a goal at home in their last three games. And even better news for Liverpool is Cunyate's come back into the team, uh, and him and Van Dyke look like a very solid partnership there at centre-back. For Manchester United, no Premier League game for two weeks, but over that span, uh, a win over Barcelona, 
a win in the Carabao Cup, a win over West Ham in the FA Cup, and United are absolutely flying right now. A 3-0 win over Leicester City last time out in the Premier League. United somehow haven't lost a game with both Bruno Fernandes and Casemiro playing in the team. That's just a ridiculous statistic. And guess what? They're both, unless something crazy happens, going to play this weekend. Four wins in a row, no losses in 11 in all competitions, and they've gone over two and a half goals in four or five. This team is just playing some really good attacking football when it was a struggle earlier in the season. They've scored two or more goals in their last five league games, and they've scored two or more goals in their last 12 games overall. They moved up to fourth in the table, uh, fourth in terms of goals scored in the table, and they've scored 41 goals. And it's spot on in terms of their XG at 41.8. They're the third best away record of six, two, and four, but, and it's a big but, 17 goals for goals scored to 20 goals conceded. And they actually have a negative 0.9 expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal, with seven, seven teams better than that in terms of that category. Um, Luke Shaw was unavailable midweek. We'll see if he's available for the weekend. And Jaden Sancho was sick midweek and should be able to go on the weekend. Head to head, United won this game 2-1 earlier this season. And this matchup has gone over the total of two and a half in the, la- the last six times that they've played. Um, another massive game this weekend. What's your big play in this one, Jake? Um. Oh, it's a tough one. I've been going back and forth as well. Um, I think there's the the market looks about right to me. Um, there's a lot of caveats to both teams. Recent form, obviously, Liverpool four clean sheets in a league in a row. But those four have come against kind of lesser teams, lesser opponents that you'd expect them to to win comfortably against. Um, and United away from home have been a little bit. Suspect at times. Um, they've conceded nearly 1.5 expected goals against per away game across the last seven matches. So, um, you know, in theory, you've got two teams with potentially very vulnerable defences, which would lead itself to um, quite a high scoring game. I just think the line's set a tiny bit too high for me, though. So I'm actually going to go no bet in this one. Um, gutless, I, I, gutless <laughs> play. <laughs> I had um, I had United on the handicap written down. Oh, actually, the price has actually moved. Maybe we might have a play. Uh, last night when I did these notes, um, yeah, the, the price was plus 104 for United on the handicap. It's now plus 111. Plus 111. So the, the market is moving against them. Um, yeah, the the only I guess the only thing that's holding me back is the is the schedule, which is piling up for United. They've played a lot of football. Um, I know that they're winning a lot, so, you know, they carry that momentum and it kind of, you know, you feel like you're doing as much football work. But, um, yeah, the, the the midweek games, both of them played. But, I, yeah, I, I, all right, I'm going to go United on the handicap, uh, plus 111. Um, I think that momentum that they've got, they've got that kind of grit, that determination. They've got those kind of intangibles that you're starting to see now regularly um that winning mentality they've got a, a, in my opinion probably a slightly stronger spine at the moment than what liverpool have um which i think is really important in these kind of big games uh yeah i could see it being quite a high scoring game i think there's vulnerabilities of both defensive back lines um but yeah i think taking united on the handicap at that price 
plus one eleven money back if it game if it ends in a draw, which I could see happening. Then yeah, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. I think that they are the slightly better team right now. Um, and you're getting a plus number on uh, on you know draw no bet. You're nodding, so I guess you better. No, no, I, I one. I, I can't believe my peer pressure worked on you. Was it because I called you gutless? <laughs> no, it was, it was more the price change. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't expecting it to have shifted based off the fact that Liverpool beat Wolves. So, um, yeah. I, I've, I've been making a profit on United for quite some time backing this team because I believed in them when I think a lot of people still have questions slightly better than Liverpool right now. Come on. If, if Look, I'll say this. If Liverpool go out and come away with a result in a game like this, I think they're finishing top four. But this recent run of form where they've been undefeated in their last four in the Premier League, Everton, you know, bottom of the table. Newcastle, you played 70 minutes. I know you were two goals up, but then you were a man up for the better part of 70 minutes. Looked horrible playing Palace in a goal is draw on the weekend. And Wolves looked hopeless against them in a 2 0 win. Like they haven't been playing very good teams, especially teams that can go, go and expose their defensive frailties as well. And United are the healthiest they beat. I know that Erickson's out and. You know, Martial can't get fit, but I mean, this team has requisite depth right now, and there's like a swagger and confidence in the group. They're able to rotate their center backs, so it's going to be Verana Martinez coming in um, at, at center back on the weekend. They're rotating at right back. They're rotating in the midfield now. Um, it, it just seems Rasher didn't start midweek, so yeah, United on the handicap at plus one eleven. It's a no doubt play for me. Also, I documented United are scoring goals like every game they play. Like they've gone over, scored more than two goals in the last five league games, and they've scored two or more goals in the last 12 overall. So give me United to score more than one and a half goals at plus 119. Two plays in this game, both at a plus number, both siding with Manchester United. Let's go, Jake. Those are my two plays in this game. So, because I can see this game being high scoring as well. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, I mean, one thing that we've consistently said is that Liverpool do score goals. Uh, that's kind of, you know, they, they create chances, they score goals, they're at home in this match, which, you know, if you'd have said at the start of the season, you'd get plus 146 for Liverpool at home to Man United, it would have been, wow, just take all my money. But, um, you know, yeah. right now that price feels a little bit right. It, it, you know, the way in which these two teams are kind of playing and, I think that price does suggest that if these two were to play at a neutral venue in a cup final, then it would be very close to a pick'em, if not slightly in Man United's favour. Right. I mean, in recent years, you'd, you'd see teams go to Anfield. United teams go to Anfield, whether it's under Mourinho or Solskjaer or whoever, and they go there and they play in a gutless way. They wouldn't. They wouldn't go out and play football. United don't have a manager like that now. Like they're going to Liverpool to win that game. They're not going there to pick up a point. They're going for the full three points. They're going to play attacking football. This is United's DNA right now. And a team like that going to Anfield playing as a Liverpool where their strength relies in chance creation, maybe not finishing, but certainly chance creation. I like the prospect for goals in this game, um, but I'm going to stick with the two United plays in this one. Uh, Let's go to the remaining five games of the week. Chelsea leads United. Uh, Chelsea talk about a team, get all these zeros here. No, uh, they haven't lost in three, but they haven't won in six, no goals in their last three games, no clean sheet in their last four. Does that mean no hope? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, they've gone under the total of two and a half in seven of seven. They've one goal scored in their last six games. And their XG last week at Spurs, 0.38. And now Thiago Silva's out and they play Dortmund on Tuesday. Meaning maybe the only good news is that they play Leeds United, a team who scrapped their way to beat Southampton last week, then followed that up with a thud in the FA Cup, a 2-0 loss to Fulham. Uh, I have a play in this game. Uh, do you? I do, yeah. It's a rinse and repeat job from the last 24 weeks or however long Potter's been in charge. Under two and a half <laughs> Groundhog goals. Day. Potter's yeah. Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, isn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, the unders just looks too big again at minus 103. Um, you know, how many times do we have to say it that this team just aren't converting chances? But at the same time, they are creating chances, not converting them. Defensively, they look really strong. So that has to be put into the, you know, has to be taken into account when looking at an unders bet. The last, um, you know, they've conceded just eight times in 10 matches, 0.96 expected goals against per game. Uh, and obviously in attack, I think they scored just six times in 10. Actually, similar figures to Newcastle, um, yeah. six goals from 15 expected goals. So they've also been extremely unlucky with a really cold finish, finishing streak, um, not to have scored more and obviously picked up more points. Um, but yeah, when you factor all that in, it's no surprise that unders, uh, under two and a half landed in nine of 10 since the restart. Um, Leeds, they looked more controlled under under Javi Gracia against Southampton. I know it's only Southampton, but it's a good sign moving forward anyway. Um, but yeah, even before he came in, creating chances was a, was a problem. Um, they'd average just one expected goal for per game across the last six matches. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that Leeds will struggle to score and create chances against Chelsea. Likewise, Chelsea, um, you know, that even even though they're underscoring and they've actually been unfortunate. They're still averaging just 1.5 expected goals for per game. So that's well down on the kind of United City's arsenals uh, and what we're seeing those put up. I keep on telling myself Chelsea's due for a breakout game. Prove it to me. Under two and a half at minus 103. Keeping my fingers crossed there's in like a, a Melier gaff or <laughs> Leeds just shipping goals. Leeds, by the way, beat Chelsea 3-0 at, mm. at Ellen Road in this fixture earlier this season. And they have gone over the total. I just hope that we're not bitten on this one because we're aligned <laughs> under two and a half. Seems a good number to me at minus 103. Curious to see where that number ends up on Pinnacle by kickoff. Aston Villa and Palace. Uh, do you have a play here, Jake? Yeah, I think I think Villa are, are, are overpriced. Um, we've seen them recently go off much shorter against um, you know better teams than Palace or teams that I'd rate higher than Palace. Um, so yeah, plus one and five looks big. The the record under Emery is really good. One six drawn, one loss for the, the defeats have actually come against Liverpool, Leicester, City, and Arsenal. So they've played three of the best attacking teams in the league according to the expected goals. And then the game against Leicester, which was a little bit of an outlier, they conceded four goals, lost that game due to individual errors, and that's not something that happens every single week. So generally, when high class attacking sides play Unai Emery's Villa, they wipe the floor with them, win comfortably. Um, but yeah, they, they've been very good um, against the kind of non-top three sides. Um, 1.4 expected goals for per game is what they've averaged. So when they're playing against mid-ranking sides, they are generally better than that. Um, and then, yeah, I know you've got Draw Castle. I've got Chris Draw Palace. Um, <laughs> they've drawn five of the last six. They've only won once since the restart, which was at yeah. Bournemouth. Um, they've lost the XG battle in... Nine of 10, they've averaged just 0.95 expected goals for per game, allowed 1.81. I keep banging the drum that Crystal Palace are performing like a relegation candidate. And, you know, if this was 
Southampton away at Villa, if this was um, Everton away at Villa, if this was Bournemouth away at Villa, Villa would be in a minus number. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to get Villa. Palace have won just twice away all season long as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this Villa number is is a little bit big. We are aligned. I underlined it. Villa plus 105. There's some real value there. Palace haven't won in nine. And head-to-head, Villa have been the first to score in their last six games against Crystal Palace. If they do it this time and score the first goal, uh, I think they could get ugly. I I think they could put multiple goals past Crystal Palace here. I like the play. Um, Might be my favorite play of the week. Might be. It's in contention right there. But uh, we're aligned as well. Let's move on. Wolves and Spurs. Wolves lost 2-0 midweek at Liverpool. Spurs lost midweek at Sheffield United in the FA Cup. You had your eyes on that match. Um, What to make of the Spurs team? My God. Like, they take a step forward. They take a step back. Uh, What do you make of this game? What do you make of this matchup? I'm I'm siding with the under in this one. Um... (laughs) I'm not sure if, if we're going to make it three in a row in terms of games that we're aligned on. Uh, actually, the number has shifted a little bit under two and a half. No, at minus 127. I'm willing to give up something because I just can't see these two teams scoring goals. Yep. Um, where's my control C and control V? Yep. Um, copied and paste under two and a half goals. <laughs> three in a row. We're in, a, we're in uh, agreement with. <laughs> Yeah, the number's just too big. Four in a row with the United game. There we go. I yeah, the true, yeah. so. It should be much shorter here. Minus 127. Wolves um, under Lopetegui averaging 1.1 expected goals for per game. Unders landed in three of their four home matches. Spurs, the Unders have landed in four of the last five. Uh, and they've generated just 1.1 expected goals for per game as well. So two teams that are really struggling in attack. Um, and Spurs in particular, they've only generated more than one and a half expected goals in one of 10 since the restart, which is, and, and that one was literally 1.51. <laughs> they only just got above the one and a half threshold. Um, yeah, they they are looking really blunt in attack, um, which means obviously the unders is going to be in the play. And with these kind of games, Wolves at home, a point's a good result. Then generally we know what we're going to get. We're going to get a very deep line block, a very negative uh, performance and, yeah, probably a one nil either way. They, they they play in a greasy style like Adama Traore's arms. They're just like they're slick, but in the end, there's simply no finish. By the way, earlier this season they played to a a one nil Spurs win. Harry Kane got the goal. They've gone under five of the last six times that they played. I can see another one nil playing out this weekend, one way or the other. The under's the obvious play uh for me in this game. Uh Southampton, Leicester City, it's gone bad from worse to Southampton if possible. One nil lost to Leeds and they lost in the cup two one to Grimsby Town. What? The thing that you need to know about Southampton, they have six points fewer than anyone else at home in the Premier League. The second fewest home goals and the most goals given up at home. Like, just their home form is dreadful. Leicester City are winless in three, but in fairness, you know, they played United, Arsenal. But then they lost to Blackburn in the FA Cup. Thielmans is out for six weeks, but it looks like Madison will be back after he's been out through illness. Um, I actually have two plays in this game. What is wow. going on here? Do you have anything? Um, I've got nothing. No, so I'll leave the floor to you. Uh, over two and a half at minus 101, unless that line moved. Um, Southampton can score goals, but they ship them as well. 
they played to a 2-1 earlier this season. Southampton, no clean sheets against Leicester City in nine. Leicester City, no clean sheets against Southampton in four. Both teams are dreadful defensively, but they can score goals. And I also like, oh, sorry, I had the one play. I was considering playing both teams to score and over two and a half at plus 142. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to go that far, but I'm just going to go over two and a half at minus 101. So. Yeah, that's I'm surprised, you didn't, I'm surprised you didn't just go for a straight Leicester win at plus 162. It seems like the start the classic wheels, they're the better team and they're a plus number. I, I considered it, but I don't fully trust what I'm seeing from Leicester. It, it's kind of the eye test on this one rather than the numbers. Um, I don't think Leicester City being very good, you know, since their what was it, a 4 2 victory over, over Aston Villa, they just look yeah. a little bit off right now. Um, but I do think is, that this game can provide some goals. It is quite a big game for them, though, because if Southampton do win and you know you get a, a draw from Wolves or you know a couple of others down there pick up points, then Leicester are looking over the shoulders. Uh, to, to be honest, I just what I was thinking is this game as like you know it's 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 almost Southampton. It's not their last stand because there's a lot of games to go, but you need to win games like this. And I just think that Southampton there might be a response after the embarrassment in the FA Cup. Um, and I think it could be another 2-1. We'll see. Southampton already did them earlier this season. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. And if you're, if you're winning at the King Power, down, you can win at home. So We've um, gone down the um, the Bournemouth kind of route of, oh, we'll, we'll sack the manager. Oh, he's had a good result. Right, we'll give him the job. Hold on a minute. Like, surely there's someone better out there for this yes. kind of job um, rather than just, oh, you beat Chelsea, right? We've got to kind of give it you. Well, you know. Yeah. I, 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 I just prefer staying away from the result in this game and just focusing on the total. It's just one of those. Yeah. I just maybe I'm being foolish because you're right. I immediately went to that the, the plus one sixty two for Leicester City, but I, I just couldn't get myself to make that bet, and I have not yet. We'll see what if there's any movement on Pinnacle between now and kickoff. And finally, some Monday night football: Brentford and Fulham. Uh, Brentford hasn't played for two weeks. Uh, but they haven't lost a game in five. Um, and, and this is a team, according to InfoGoal, expected to finish six or, or expected based on their ex- expected goal differential and expected goals. Um, they're expected to be sixth in the table. They're a little bit under that at ninth. They're forecasted to finish eighth. And Fulham is one of the teams kind of standing in their way. I need to make note of this because it plays into the play I'm going to make. And I actually do have two plays in this game. Polina is out suspended. He's picked up 10 cautions. He's suspended for the second time this season. And that's why I'm backing Brentford at home to win this game at plus 103, a plus number at Brentford at home. It's kind of like the Aston Villa story. This is my joint favorite play of the week. And I like over the goal total of two and a half. I know Fulham have gone under an eight of nine, but I think that Brentford at home, no Polina, will force Fulham to play a little bit more expansive football. Mitrovic is back in the team. And they played to a 3-2, by the way, earlier this season at Craven Cottage. So a Brentford home win, I can always get behind that, especially at a plus number. And I like there to be some goals in this game as well. Yep, same for me. Brentford win. Unbeaten in 11 league games, which is a very long time. Um, and yeah, they've won the XG battle in eight of those. So the results have been kind of, you know, deserved. Only lost once at home all season, which was against Arsenal. Uh, process is is fantastic at home. And it's the fifth or sixth best in the league. Fulham, they've been good at late. Uh, you know, the results have been yeah, good, but the performances really haven't. 
Now, the 14 points from a possible 24, yet they've averaged 0.97 expected goals for and 1.6 expected goals against per game. Um, so, for you know, for context, that's kind of the same level as what Wolves have done over that same period of time, and Wolves have picked up about seven or eight points. So, um, away from home in general, Fulham have been poor as well this season from a, a data perspective. So, I'm, I'm quite happy to ride with Brentford to win. Uh, coming off the two weeks off as well, Leeds or um, Fulham also played Leeds in the FA Cup midweek, as well as playing uh, Friday night against Wolves as well. So consensus on the finish as well. Uh, last time we met, we made Brentford our best bet two weeks ago against Crystal Palace at home. They came away with a draw. That's why I made them a co-best bet to see maybe you can put some good juju in their direction with the Aston Villa uh, home win over Crystal Palace. Do you have a best bet this weekend? Yeah, it's probably the unders in Chelsea leads. I think that price is huge. 1.97 uh minus 103. Uh it's just it's it's a big price. It was between that and the unders in the Wolves game. Um but yeah, I'll probably give Chelsea the nod because the price is is big and I think I mean, you know, it is Chelsea after all this current Chelsea team. They are yeah, they're firing a lot of blanks, which is a big problem. Uh and Graham Potter remains. For now, for now. And, and we'll see as the world it might, turns. Yeah, when it, comes it, it to might Chelsea. be the it might be the Dortmund game that defines or that, that decides his fate. If if they get knocked out of the Champions League, then it could be bye bye. But it's another big week for Chelsea Football Club. Um, Premier League predictions articles go to pinnacle.com, the resources sections to keep you locked in in terms of. Uh, the best place to make and the best way to apl- approach the board on a weekly basis at Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle Sports on YouTube as well. Hey, the return of the South American Soccer Insight Show with our good friend Simon Edwards and company are coming back next week as well. All things Copa Libertadores. We're looking forward to Simon being back on the pod uh, at Gareth Wheeler at Jake Oz, where you follow along and the odds are correct at the time of recording. Please gamble responsibly. Top work again this week. Jake, enjoy it and enjoy it to all of you out there as well. Thanks for listening to EPL Insights provided by Pinnacle and with Insights provided by InfoGold.